0: All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Today, I'm going to do my podcast on the one and only Randy Couture. Um, So basically, I'm doing this on a coverage of a documentary on his rise to fame. It's a documentary based on the PFL, the professional fight league that he uh, he works with. So we're going to jump right into this. So basically, the story starts out by a woman, presumably his mother, talking about a babysitter uh, taking Randy to her house. Uh, When Randy was three years old, um, as he got there, he butted heads with a goat, (laughs) a baby goat. Uh, His mom tells a story that this was the highlight of his life. He started early interacting with goats, and as he grew to be an older man, he's still interacting with goats. Uh, Randy has a total of six UFC title reigns. Randy was the first fighter to win a title fight in two weight divisions. He's also the oldest fighter to hold a UFC belt at the age of 45 years old. Uh, he had his Hall of Fame induction in 2006. Today, Randy is an actor and analyst for the PFL Fighters League, and is still running his MMA gym, uh, Extreme Couture. Randy has a ranch outside of Las Vegas he uses to escape and relax. The ranch is 30 acre- Excuse me, the ranch is 30 acres in Arizona, in the Arizona desert, that he visits with his girlfriend Mindy. Uh, they have four horses and two goats and a dog named Axel. Uh, Mindy explains Randy is a regular guy and doesn't let the fame get to his head. Randy was born in Everett, Washington in 1963. Uh, Randy's mother explains Randy was born weighing 10 and a half pounds and he was 22 inches tall. So he was a huge baby. I mean, can you imagine being 10 and a half pounds being born at birth? Most babies are about eight pounds, eight and a half pounds. I mean, that, that's a huge baby. His mother explains the day that they brought him home from the hospital, she was feeding him cereal. Uh, she did not start him off slow. Randy's friends explain Randy had a tenacious attitude as, at a young age and was a hardworking and natural athlete. His mother explains he was a better skier than he was a wrestler. She explains he would get in trouble with the ski patrol and would get chased by him, uh, knocking over all the jumps. Uh, Randy's friends explain that they used to box in his basement with Randy. Randy became so good, they had to tie one hand behind his back to make it fair. Randy explains many people in his situation may have ended up on a you know, darker path. He was raised by a single mother working two jobs. The show explains how Randy's father, Edie, excuse me, (laughs) his his father's name is Ed, I don't know why I said Edie, was in and out of Randy's life. His father was a wrestler and Randy used the strength to, um, he used this to strengthen his relationship of a distant father. This relationship didn't work out well and he left Randy with disappointment. This was contrary to Randy's mother who never missed a match. Uh, Randy says he found his calling in wrestling Randy shows his, Randy shows the cameras his horses and explains when he was younger he did not have the money for horses nor did he think he would ever have them he got into horses in his 30s and uses them for hunting he explains he fell in love with them Chuck Liddell, his former rival explains that Randy was a great fighter because he kept adapting his fighting style and kept getting better the show explains how Randy was always considered the underdog and how he was always felt he had something to prove He was considered the underdog when fighting Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. Randy and Chuck fight for the interim light heavyweight title. Randy was underestimated and considered the underdog. Uh, Chuck explains how he felt he got too cocky and felt he was gonna knock him out and wouldn't get taken down by Randy, but ends up getting taken down by Randy in the fight. After Randy defeats Chuck, his next fight is the interim light heavyweight title against Tito Ortiz. Uh, Randy Couture takes out Tito Ortiz. Randy was the first fighter to take down Tito Ortiz in UFC history. Uh, Randy's mother explains how Randy, given the opposite of most kids, you know, most kids uh, grow tall and then become thicker and wider. But Randy became thick and wide before he grew taller. That's kind of how I am. You know, certain people are just have like a big chest or big arms and they're not necessarily very tall. That's kind of like the frame of my body. Uh, His mother explains how Randy weighed more than the other kids his size. Randy's first wrestling coach, John Casebeer, talks about Randy as a young wrestler. He explains Randy became a good wrestler because he wouldn't accept defeat. Kotor won, and by having more heart than his opponents when nobody expected him to win. Randy was an overachiever from the beginning. Randy explains how his first year of wrestling, he only won five matches his freshman year of high school. His junior year of high school, he takes fifth in regional state championship in high school. Randy made it his goal to win the state championship his senior year, and he did. He kept lifting weights and running and pushing himself. He proved to himself he could do it. This was a big turning point in his life. He was the first state champion in any sport in his high school. His girlfriend explains how even today, over 30 years later, she still sees him in his competitive nature. She says he has to do everything the best, and that attracts uh, her to him. Randy explains how his property in, in between the Grand Canyon and the Kokonawa National Forest. Uh, so basically, his 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 ranch is, is right in between the Grand Canyon and it's right in between the Kokonawa National Forest. So basically... They're just kind of doing like a rapid review of his life. They're talking about his achievements, you know, his, his, his UFC career. And then they're jumping into his early days, you know, in his high school wrestling career. They're just basically doing a documentary on his life and, you know, going over all of his achievements and going over like, you know, certain highlights of his, of his early childhood and the certain character traits that made Randy, you know, the, the person he is today, essentially. So they're kind of jumping all over the place. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain what's going on in the documentary. And I'll try to give you guys a thorough breakdown of what's going on as best as I can. So Randy explains what he's been doing with his time after being retired from the USC for nine years, spending time in the outdoors and at his ranch. Randy explains how he gained a friendship with a man whom he calls Wild Bill, who was like his grandfather when he moved on the ranch. Bill used to be a bull rider, but now he lives a much more calm, reserved life. Bill is 75 years old. Uh, he takes care of Randy's ranch. He, uh, he feeds the horses and the goats and he maintains the property. He explains his life and work history, and he says he worked in the rodeo until he was 30 years old. Then he got into a construction business and got into the mining business as well. Uh, Randy purchased the property for him, but agreed to let him stay on the ranch to take care of the ranch. He says he never heard of Randy Couture before. He says he was the only guy in Parksdale, Arizona, who didn't know who Randy Couture was. Uh, He he says Randy explains in an earlier interview in his career, how he gained his competitive edge and work ethic from his mother working two jobs because his father was a deadbeat. Uh, Randy explains one of the things that attracted him to his prop- to his ranch was a koi pond on the property. Uh, so basically when he was going to buy this ranch, um, you know, there was a koi pond on the property and that's what attracted him to buying the property on the ranch. And he met this guy, Wild Bill, essentially, who was just like an old guy that lived around that area. And I guess he basically, he bought the ranch from from Wild Bill. But, you know, this is Wild Bill's home. He basically bought him out of his own house. And uh, they ended up developing a friendship. And he said, you know what? If I'm going to have all these horses, if I'm going to have all these animals at the farm, um, you know, I'll I'll let you stay at this ranch as long as you take care of the animals for me and you maintain the property. You know, you cut the grass and you do this, that, and the third. I mean, a ranch is a huge piece of property. So it it makes sense that um, he needed a keeper for the property, essentially. So it was kind of a win-win situation for Wild Bill. You know, he bought his property from him. He, gets, he, get, he basically got sold out of his property, but he also gets to, uh, you know, he gets to, you know, still stay on the land and, and, and maintain it. You know what I mean? So it's a win-win situation for everybody. Uh, Randy explains his father fled to Alaska to avoid paying child support, and his dad built his own koi pond. Uh, when Randy purchased the property, there was only one koi left in the pond, and he named it Ed after his dad. Um, Randy explains how Randy's father being absent in his his life made him grow up fast and made him the head of the household. His mother explains that even though his father was absent in his life, Randy still had great mentors to fill that void in his life. Randy explains how wrestling helped him fill the void and how the wrestling community kept him out of trouble. It gave him the discipline, learning how to accept defeat and taught him the reward of hard work. Uh, Randy explains how everything happens for a reason. It's hard to see what the reason is in the heat of the moment. Randy uses this motto to forgive and let go of the animosity he had for his dad not being in his life. His father not being in his life gave him that chip on his shoulder to achieve greatness. Randy says with a smirk on his face, it took him about 55 years to come to terms with this. So I mean, this is a common situation. A lot of people have emotional damage from their fathers not being in their life, essentially. So you know, Randy Couture, in, in this situation, it actually made him, I mean, this happens often, but his father not being in his life actually made him a stronger person. So it made him a stronger person. It helped him to you know become more mature, to become the head of the household, and really strive to be something better. And um, a lot of times we see it, we see devastation in the household when the father's not in the household. We see the kids get involved in drugs or you know gangs or get into criminal activity. And it was actually the opposite in this situation. You know, he just became more of the adult of the household and stepped up as the father father figure. And he watched his mother, you know, struggle with two jobs, and that really just motivated him to be more of an outgoing person, of more of an overachiever, because he saw how hard his mother worked in the household to provide for him. So it really just had an adverse effect on him. But we see this a lot too. We see a lot of people that um, don't have their fathers in their life, and it actually makes them stronger. You know, they say everything does happen for a reason. But also, too, you can see the emotional pain of his father not being there. He just said it took him 55 years to come to terms that his father was not in his life. Uh, He he literally named, you know, a fish in a pond after his father because it reminded him of his father, even though his father wasn't in his life. So there's a lot of emotional damage from his father not being there. But I guess he learned to deal with it and that, that pain made him stronger and made him the person he is today. The next episode of this Randy Couture documentary talks about how Randy Couture suffered a heart attack in his career. Randy explains how many times in his career he felt invincible, and as he got older, he realized he was able to get hurt. Uh, Randy says he felt like a cat. Uh, He is living his nine lives out. (laughs) Randy explains how the wilderness is humbling to him. It makes him feel grounded and humbles him. Randy explains how the wilderness can cost you your life if you're not careful. Randy gets in an altercation that punctured his lung, broke his ribs, and gave him a fractured clavicle. In 2019, Couture noticed a pain in his chest and tried to walk it off. Uh, Couture describes it as a dull ache that wouldn't go away, but didn't think anything about it. Uh, Randy continues training, and 30 minutes into his heart attack, not knowing he had one, the doctors told him if he uh, had waited 30 more minutes, it would have been a different outcome. He ended up training for a total of an hour and 20 minutes while in the middle of an unknown heart attack. In typical badass Randy Couture fashion, Randy finishes his workout and walks to the hospital. So, you know, he's he's in the middle of a workout and he gets a heart attack. Um, you know, this is just, this is, you know, I don't know how common this is. I don't really know too much about heart attacks, but I, I guess there are heart attacks where you don't necessarily feel the pain and uh, or, or the the pain is slight and you don't really know what's going on. So, I mean, certain heart attacks are worse than the other, worse than others, essentially. Um and then he also had an accident on ATV where he, he punctured his lung, broke his ribs, and fractured his clavicle. So, this guy's starting to get a lot of in, injuries as an older man. And uh, he's starting to realize that, you know, he's not invincible. Like when he was younger, he was a super athlete. And even then, like when he was 45 years old, he was the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. So, this guy has always been an overachieving athlete. But now that he's getting, you know, into his 50s, he's starting to realize he's got to, you know, take it easy a little bit, especially after having a heart attack. That's a, that's a very serious thing. While being in the hospital, Randy tells his girlfriend to get him a shirt that says, I'm, I'm an unbreakable motherfucker. <laughs> Randy wears the shirt after leaving the hospital and is seen wearing this shirt, walking, uh, leaving the hospital, being interviewed by TMZ. The hospital being interviewed, excuse me, uh, Randy receives overwhelming support from fans, fellow fighters, celebrities, and family. Uh, Randy explains how the heart attack was a weird situation. He felt like he got old overnight. Uh, Randy reiterates he feels he's not as invincible as he used to be he feels old at 57 years old as he is older he sits and reflects on the journey he's been on Uh, Randy begins to explain all of his injuries and explains how wrestling has been hard on his neck Randy explains how the neck muscles around the area where he had two plates put in to hold his clavicle together are stiff and tight Randy chuckles smiles and winks saying it could be a lot worse Uh, Randy says he's not worried about being into fight shape anymore. He's worried about his joints and his discs. Randy compares himself to Sylvester Stallone, who was 70 and ripped. He explains how he got a lot of his acting jobs because of his background in MMA. He describes it as his uh, physicality. Physicality is how he built his MMA uh, career. Uh, John McCarthy explains how they made the fight with Chuck Liddell and Randy, uh, not expecting Chuck to win. Uh, They didn't believe Randy uh, could take Chuck down. Chuck Liddell was also a college wrestler. uh, Chuck Liddell explains how wrestling takes a lot more energy than just striking and takes a lot out of the fighter. So, you know, wrestling takes a lot more energy out of a fighter than striking. He explains how Randy uh, taking him down took a toll on his body. Chris Pratt explains how he's a wrestler himself, but Randy has a competitive edge and won't, And he has an attitude of, that says never quit that most wrestlers have. Jay Glazer, an MMA commentator, explains how Randy is tenacious and never quits. He says Randy is a nice guy, but in the cage he is your worst enemy and never quits. Randy explains how his college wrestling plans took a turn as he turned 18 years old. His girlfriend got called in one day and told him that she's pregnant and told him she's having his baby whether he likes it or not. Uh, Randy told himself he wouldn't be like his dad his mother tried to take him into staying in college but Randy has other plans and gets married to his girlfriend Uh, Randy then talked to a military recruiter and joined the military Randy joined the army while Randy was waiting to leave for the army his son Ryan was born Randy explains how his life changed after this Randy says everything worked out the way it was supposed to Uh, Randy was stationed in Germany at the peak of the Cold War the military had a huge sports program to keep the moral up of the soldiers overseas and, and Randy ended up back on the mats in, in the army. Uh, Randy ended up winning a US Army championship in Europe. He also won an intensive, I believe that's the word, intensive army championship or intersectives, inter, inter excuse me, an inter-service army championship uh, which qualified him for the Olympic trials. The army gave uh, Randy the confidence that he would compete on an international stage. He was an alternate on the '88 Olympic team as a soldier. All the college coaches were like, "Where did this guy come from?" He found out he had the he had the four years of eligibility, so the phone started ringing. He enrolled in Oklahoma State after serving four years in the army. So basically, you know, you know, his girlfriend gets pregnant when he's 18 years old. You know, he, he's a he's a high school champion wrestler. Uh, he has big plans for the future. And then his girlfriend gets pregnant and he says okay well i'm going to join the military i'm going to do something to provide for my family he joins the military which is you know very you know it's very respectable he joins the military and then he gets into a wrestling program in the military and he continues his wrestling career there because he was going to wrestle in college and then um you know his life took a turn so he's, he's wrestling in, in, the, in the in the military and then he wants to be an olympic champion he wants to be an olympic wrestler he tries out for the olympic trials he doesn't make it as an Olympic wrestler. So now he's, he's, out, of, he's out of the military and he's, he's actually re-enlisting in college. He's re-enrolling in college and he's gonna wrestle in college. So not only is he gonna be an army wrestler, he's gonna wrestle in college as well. So he found out he had uh, you know years of eligibility, so the phone, the phone started ringing. He enrolled in Oklahoma State after serving four years in the army. He was a 25 year old freshman in college. So typically, a freshman in college is like, you know, anywhere like 19 years old, 20 years old, something like that, or 21 or something. But he's literally 25 years old. And he's a freshman in, in college. Which nowadays, nowadays, that's not really a big deal at all because, you know, you have 40 year olds and 50 year olds in college. But when you're an athlete like that, it's a little bit different because athletes are usually going to be around 18 or 19 years old when they're a freshman in college, or at the very the very oldest, maybe like 20 or 21. Uh, he was really deficient in folk style wrestling, coming from a different style of wrestling in the military. Uh, more than likely, he's probably doing freestyle wrestling or Greco-Roman wrestling. Because freestyle wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling, that's actually more of an international style of wrestling. Uh, the folk style wrestling is, is really um, it's really common in America. That's like collegiate wrestling in America. All the colleges practice uh, folk style wrestling in America. But if you go to other countries, especially in Europe, you're going to see a lot more freestyle wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling and things like that. So he's coming back to college He's doing a different style of wrestling than he did in the military, so he's really he's not really skilled in that type of wrestling so he's he's, he's taking a different leap. Uh, his college wrestling coach explains how he, uh, his will and his grind and his perseverance to get better is what stood out to him the most It gave him hope. you know Randy explains how he didn't get a takedown for six months when he first started college wrestling. Uh, Randy said it was frustrating. He went from thinking he was going to win an Olympic championship to getting his butt kicked. So, one of, one of the common themes of this podcast is you're going to see a lot of a lot a lot of uh, a lot of tenacity, a lot of will to never quit. Uh, Randy Couture, you know, a lot of different things happened in his life. His father wasn't in his life. Um, you know, his first year of wrestling in high school, he barely won any matches, and yet he went on to become a you know a high school state champion in wrestling. Uh, he wanted to go into college to become a college wrestler. He ends up getting his girlfriend pregnant, so he has to join the military. Uh, but then, he, you know, he wrestles in the military. Uh, in the military, after he's in the military, he tries to become an Olympic wrestler. And it doesn't work out for his career. He fails at making it into the Olympics. So now he's going back to college to be a college wrestler. So a lot of this podcast, the moral you can take of this podcast is that when life takes different turns... You take a different turn and you just basically you roll with the punches essentially. you look for a different opportunity. you look for a different path when things don't work out. You, you know you, you basically you, when things don't go in your favor, you find a different opportunity and you work with it. and that's, that's like one of the best things you can learn from this podcast. If things don't work out, you know there's something better is going to replace it. You just have to keep working and you just have to never give up. You know Randy never got discouraged and he just kept moving forward like his wrestling coach was saying that when he you know he made it onto the college wrestling team he didn't get a takedown for 6 months and anybody who's wrestled before if, if you can't get a takedown for 6 months it's very discouraging you feel like everybody's better than you but you know his will to never quit is what led him to be a good wrestler so he never quit and that's what made him an incredible wrestler and, and that that's the way sports work a lot of times you know my freshman year of uh well excuse me when I was in 8th grade I I played uh, football and I was terrible. I was terrible. I was one of the worst football players on the team. I, I was really scared to tackle people. I thought that was absolutely insane that you wanted me to run into somebody full speed with a metal helmet on. And I, I just thought that was insane. And then my freshman year of, of high school, when I played football, I just thought about how embarrassing it was, how how terrible of a football player I was in eighth grade. And I used that as motivation to be one of the hardest hitters on the team. I told myself every day in the off season, I said, okay, I'm gonna hit somebody really hard every play. I'm gonna hit somebody really hard every play. I mentally replayed the scenarios in my head over and over. And I said, I'm gonna be the hardest hitter on the team. And by my freshman year of, of, of high school, you know, I was a very good football player and it ended up starting by the end of the season. So I, I, was, a, I was a very good football player. And uh, you know, that, that came from all the losses. That came from all the humiliation of being a terrible football player. And um, the wrestling is very similar. A lot of people they start off and, and they're not very good wrestlers, and eventually they become very good wrestlers because you know they lose and they win from their losses. They, 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 excuse me, they learn from their losses. So the best thing you can learn from this podcast is to never give up. So, you know, Randy said it was frustrating. He went from thinking he was going to win an Olympic championship to getting his butt kicked. Uh, he started off losing a lot, but worked his way up to being a, a three-time All-American and two-time national runner-up. So that's that's like a really high achievement in wrestling, especially in college wrestling in Division One high school wrestling, Division One college wrestling. He didn't outskill people; he outwilled them. His college wrestling coach explains how he saw Randy take some real beatings and just uh, you know just keep getting up and trying harder every time. You know, Randy explains in an earlier interview how he got the, the nickname "The Natural." He got the nickname because people felt he could adopt to his opponents and he beat them at their own game. So he got called the natural because he learned how to adapt to situations and and, and be a better wrestler, essentially, than his opponents. He just learned to beat the wrestlers at their own game. Randy explains how he received this nickname after the Vitor Belfort fight and the name stuck. Uh, Randy explains how he had a chip on his shoulder as a college wrestler, which helped him succeed in the UFC. He was a three-time runner-up for the Olympics and a three-time NCAA runner-up. Uh, Randy explains how losing the Olympic trials in 92 and 96, particularly in 1996, left him devastated. You know, Randy also says he, he got uh, teary-eyed today when he hears the national anthem being played at the Olympics. Randy says his family didn't realize how heartbroken he was about not making the Olympic wrestling team. His son and his mom talk about how devastated he was and his mother talks about how winning the Olympics was always his dream. This disappointment, this darkness, this chip on the shoulder is what ultimately led him to be an MMA fighter. Like I said, the great moral of the story is that setbacks are for major comebacks. So that's the best thing you can learn from the story is setbacks are for major comebacks, and that should be with everybody in their life. Setbacks are for major comebacks. Randy didn't even know MMA existed until he got exposed into it in August of 96. His teammate Don Fry from Oklahoma State did MMA and surprised Randy and inspired him to get into MMA. Randy says even in his disappointment and in his darkest place, he kept that fire burning and finally gets a new opportunity in a new sport. Randy says it was exciting and fun and re, uh, it, it rejuvenated him. Randy says uh, it made him reflect on himself and why he got into wrestling. He remembers and realizes he got into wrestling not just to win medals but to have fun. Randy realizes the importance of having fun. MMA also gave closure to Randy and allowed him and gave him a way to step away from wrestling and transition into a new chapter in his life. His mother tells the camera that Randy told him if he made the Olympics and won a championship, he may have not have gone into fighting. You know, So basically he had this chip on his shoulder, he was really embarrassed and really ashamed of himself for not making the Olympics and uh, you know, once he found out about mixed martial arts, he used that as an opportunity to give himself closure for not making the Olympic wrestling team. And he's saying basically if he, if he would have made the Olympic wrestling team, he, he might have never been an MMA fighter because he was ready to, you know, get, he was ready to close that chapter of his life. But since he had that chip on his shoulder, you know, M- MMA gave him the opportunity to fill that chip on his shoulder, if that makes sense. His mother tells the camera that Randy told him if he made the Olympics and won a championship, he may not have gone into fighting. Not making the Olympic team a championship gave him the motivation and, and fire to seek something else. This is an important thing to remember in life. Setbacks are for a major comeback. So, like, that's the reoccurring theme of this, this whole story is setbacks are for a major comeback. Chris Barnes, a two-time NCAA champion, and Randy Couture's wrestling teammate, explains Randy was the least likely to be an MMA fighter in his opinion. He said Randy was very nice. He didn't think this was in Randy's character to be a fighter. But like I said, anybody who has wrestled before knows this this is a really silly statement because wrestling is a very brutal sport. It can be very painful and requires you to be very aggressive and tough to succeed. So that was kind of a silly statement to say in general because there's no such thing as a, a, a a successful wrestler Who's, uh, who's not tough or tenacious and aggressive. You have to be very aggressive in the sport. Uh, Chris Barnes then adds to this by saying MMA is very uh, similar to wrestling, so he understood. John McCarthy knew him from the wrestling world and knew he would be a great MMA fighter because he was such a tough competitor. In three weeks, Randy went from not being involved in the sport at all to having his first two fights in one night at UFC 213. He won the tournament and then wanted him to fight Vitor Belfort after Vitor's impressive win against Tank Abbott. John McCarthy, an international referee and and UFC referee, talks about how Couture established himself in MMA with just a necktie, dirty boxing, and Randy was able to establish his own style of fighting that really took over MMA for quite some time. The Randy Couture versus Vitor Belfort fight is what really established Randy Couture. It made people realize he could be great. So basically, you know, when he's coming into this new sport, um, he's not like a skilled, you know, boxer. He's not a skilled kickboxer. I mean, he's he's probably learning a little bit about boxing and kickboxing, but he's not like a well-rounded martial artist. He's he's basically just a wrestler. But like I said, wrestling is Probably the most important aspect of MMA. If you're a high level wrestler, you can you can be a very successful MMA fighter. So he started off, you know, just with a necktie and dirty boxing and, you know, using his wrestling skills and he's just basically beating his opponents with just his wrestling ability. So this is, um, you know, really interesting. But eventually he becomes, you know, a very fully developed MMA fighter. He learns how to throw punches better. You know, he th- learns how to kick better and things like that. But it's just really interesting that he started off, you know, with not very, you know, not very well-rounded MMA skills, but he's a very well, very good wrestler, so he used these skills to his advantage. <clears throat> the Randy Couture versus Vitor Velfour fight is what really established Randy Couture and made people realize he could be great. People doubted Randy would be successful in MMA because he was relatively old at the start of his MMA career. Tim Sylvia talks about how he modeled himself after Randy for not being a trash talker and being humble and respectful for letting his work in the cage do the talking. Randy won the UFC championship in Japan on December 21st, 1997. He won the UFC championship in his fourth fight against Mari Smith, an accomplished kickboxer who helped build the sport of MMA. Randy talks about how winning the championship took him by surprise because it all happened so fast just in four fights. He talked about how he won the title in Yokohama, Japan in front of 200,000 people and the surreal feeling behind it. A timeline on the show shows the timeline of Randy Couture winning the championship. He won the UFC title in 1997, in 2000, in 2003, twice in 2004, and in 2007. Randy talks about the shock of people asking for a picture with him after he won the championship when he was uh, shopping at Costco's when he returned home. So he won this championship all the way in Japan. Um, you know, he doesn't really look at himself as a famous person or anything like that. And then he comes home, he's just shopping in Costco's. He's minding his business and people are coming up to him asking for a picture. So this is his first time really experiencing a little bit of fame, essentially. Two years after winning the UFC championship, a Kator stayed active fighting in organizations outside of the UFC in Japan and returned to the UFC in November of 2000 to reclaim the UFC heavyweight belt. When he came back, he fought Kevin Randall for the championship at UFC 28. This fight was a challenge for Couture, who got taken down by Randall in the first round and second round. Randy takes uh, Randall down in the third round and finishes Kevin Randleman. John McCarthy talks about how Hoyce Gracie was the founder of the sport, but Couture was a guy who brought MMA and the UFC to the next level. So basically, Randy Couture was a pioneer for the sport. You know, you know, uh, Hoist Gracie. You know, he was a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu expert. He was kind of like the person who started. You know, MMA. He was at the you know the original UFC event. But Randy Couture was the one who kind of pioneered the sport. So right now, we're still in the evolution of MMA right now. So right now, the people that are the champion fighters right now, they're helping build the sport to the next level. So basically, for the next probably fifty years, everybody's going to be kind of like a pioneer of the sport and bringing the sport to the next level. Randy talks about how he can't go anywhere without being recognized and how the sport is starting to grow rapidly in the next episode starts. So that was the end of episode one. Um, In episode two, we're going to jump right into this. Uh, Randy talks about how the sport is getting ready to explode soon. Randy continues to talk about how it is a weird thing to be in the public eye and people come up to you and praise you. Randy says this in an early interview from his career that he believes the sport will need mainstream media exposure in a TV show to grow. In the early 2000s, the rise of MMA can be contributed to three fighters, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, and Tito Ortiz. Randy's son talks about how he couldn't go anywhere without his dad being stopped and asked for a picture or an autograph or etc. These three superstars played a crucial role in the growth of the sport, and Randy played a big role in the growth of the sport by moving from heavyweight to light heavyweight to fighting Chuck Liddell in 2003. Randy was 39 years old at the time, just having his first two major losses in the sport, his loss to Josh Barnett and then his loss to Rico Rodriguez. Randy had one more fight on his contract and he didn't think that they thought he was very marketable. John McCarthy explains how the UFC set this fight up using Couture's name to draw attention to the fight because Couture was the former former champion. They gave Liddell the interim title while Tito Ortiz had the real belt. Many people felt the UFC did not expect Randy to win. Fighting Chuck was a significant challenge for Randy, especially because he was much older than Chuck, but this gave Randy an opportunity to be the first two-division champion in UFC history. Randy says he studied Chuck Liddell very diligently on tape and saw the way he drew people in in his footwork and he knocked out a lot of guys. Randy said he had to come to peace with the fact that Chuck might knock him out, but he's gonna come at Chuck first in the fight. McCarthy talks about how Couture put on an unbelievable performance. Randy Couture surprised everyone in a major upset to Liddell and used the interim title win to face Tito Ortiz for the real title. Randy talks about how Tito was the original trash talker, how Tito would do anything to get underneath his opponent's skin and push their buttons. In talk shows, Tito would bring a new cane with a ribbon on it for Randy, taunting him for his old age and saying he would need it after the fight. Randy talks about how this fight would come down to wrestling. They're both high level wrestlers. Randy Couture beats Tito Ortiz and becomes the official light heavyweight UFC champion and the first two-division champion in UFC history. Tito Ortiz is humble in defeat and commends and compliments Randy on his performance. Randy becomes the first person in UFC history to take Tito Ortiz down. People in this show refer to Randy as Captain America. Chuck and Randy sit down for an interview. Uh, He sits down with Jay Glacier as well. And Chuck talks about how, the underestimated, how he underestimated Randy's wrestling ability. Chuck says he was flat-footed three and a half minutes into the first round. By the third round, Chuck was a mess. This was Couture's first fight at light heavyweight. Couture and Liddell had a total of three fights against each other. Randy was so used to cutting weight as a wrestler, he had it down to a science. He knew once he started sweating, he would have to lose one pound every 10 minutes. Randy used to use the same plastic suit and socks to cut weight in the UFC that he used in college as a wrestler. So, so basically what they're doing now is they're, they're reminiscing about uh, Randy Couture's, you know, his, his fights with Chuck Liddell. He's sitting down with an interview with Chuck Liddell. And they're basically just reminiscing about, you know, what it was like to fight each other. And he's showing the cameras his sweatsuit that he used to, to cut weight for the fight. And uh, it's the same, you know, sweatsuit that he used in, in college wrestling. So... They're just kind of just reminiscing. They're going down memory lane, essentially. Randy spent most of the training camp against Liddell, accepting the fact that he might get knocked out. Randy talks about how it was part of his game plan to cut off the ring and put something in Liddell's face every time Liddell uh, threw the lazy jab to keep him off balance. After winning the championship, a new TV show, The Ultimate Fighter, was created. This show helped the sport grow. John McCarthy explains the UFC had $44 million dollars. They spent $10 million on the Ultimate Fighter show to try to get people to understand the sport of MMA and fall in love with it. On the show, they had two different teams of MMA fighters compete against each other, and they made Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture head coaches on the show. Eventually, they would fight each other again. This show helped build the hype for the next fight against each other and helped gain traction and get people interested in it. So, for people who don't really know about MMA... Um, when the UFC first started, it, it wasn't like a billion dollar or a trillion dollar organization or anything like that. It was it was a low level mixed martial arts you know, competition. It, it was a very new thing at, at the time. People were very interested in pro wrestling. People were interested in boxing. But the sport of MMA was was really not that developed yet. And it, w- it wasn't even available in a, in a lot of sports. It, it was only available in a few sports. So. It's it's a relatively new sport. It's it's not it's not even it's not even legal in a lot of states, so it was just being sanctioned in a lot of different states. So for, for them to really you know grow the sport and, and try to expand MMA into a real legitimate sport that people would respect, uh, they they decided to invest a lot of money into a TV show called The Ultimate Fighter to try to get people interested in MMA, to try to you know grow the sport to the next level. So they invested a lot of money into this this you know TV show, this reality TV show, where they put a bunch of fighters in a house. And they all fight each other and, and they compete for for a, a chance to be, a, a, you know, a, a UFC champion, essentially. So they have all these different fighters in the house and they compete for the title. And they make uh, Renan Couture, one of the coaches on the show, to coach the fighters. And, and they make Chuck Liddell, one of the coaches on the show, to coach the fighters as well. John McCarthy says this show helped turn the sport around 180 degrees. The UFC started making big money after this. Randy talks with Chuck about how he was under a lot of stress preparing for his rematch with Liddell. He was undergoing a divorce. Randy says the biggest difference in his rematch against Liddell was Liddell's footwork improved. Randy says Liddell did not stand right in front of him in their second fight. He made Randy come to him. Liddell's hands, uh, excuse me. Liddell nods his head and agrees and says he told himself not to stand in front of him and not to back straight up. So obviously, you know, Chuck Liddell wins the second fight. He wins the rematch. Uh, Randy says this made it harder for him to land a good shot. It made it harder to take Liddell down because he had to come into him. Chuck Liddell knocks Randy Couture unconscious for the first time in Randy's career in the rematch. Randy and Chuck face each other for a third time with Liddell holding the belt and Randy challenging him. Randy is 42 years of age in their third fight against each other. Chuck says he was motivated to face Randy a third time because he wanted to prove his victory over Randy in their in their second fight. He wanted to prove that his second fight wasn't a fluke. So basically, you know, Randy was saying, you know, it wasn't an accident that I beat, that I beat. um I'm trying to excuse me. Oh, no, Chuck Chuck says that he wanted to beat him a third time to prove it wasn't a fluke that he, he beat him in the second fight. So that, that's the reason why a lot of competitors in, in fighting sports, they face each other three times to see who the real champion is, because there are situations where a fighter can just make a silly mistake and, you know, you can capitalize on it and beat them. But when you face somebody three times... Ultimately, whoever wins those three matches is usually looked at as the real champion. So in this situation, Chuck Liddell was looked at as a better fighter to Randy Couture. Chuck says he was motivated to face Randy a third time because he wanted to prove his victory over Randy in their second fight. wasn't a fluke. Uh, Chuck won the third fight in a second round TKO. This trilogy really helped the sport grow. In the conversation Chuck and Randy are having about their trilogy, jay glacier says his gratitude to both fighters because he says their growth of the sport helped employ a lot of people in the ufc the show this shows an old clip of randy dresses chuck for halloween and when uh tmz jokes if he had chuck's permission to dress him for halloween randy tells him chuck gave him his shorts to wear for halloween so it's, it's pretty cool like these guys fought each other um you know they, they inflicted a lot of physical pain on one another but they're still, they're still friends. You know, they, they might not be the best friends in the world, but they still have a lot of respect for each other. They still made a lot of money off of each other. They're able to sit in a room with each other and compete with each other or, or sit in the same room with each other and talk about the fights and talk about the fights that they won against each other and talk about the fights that they lost against each other. And, you know, Randy Couture is dressing like Chocolate Liddell for Halloween, so obviously they're not, you know, they're not like immortal enemies or anything like that. They're still friends, and I think that's pretty cool. Chuck says people calling him Randy all the time by fans mixing up their names. Uh, Chuck emphasizes the humility and down to earth personalities both these fighters have and how fans felt they could relate to them because they're one of them. Yeah, like th- these guys are not, um, they're not prima donnas. These aren't like arrogant people. These are very down to earth pe- people. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, uh, you know, fighters get injured a lot. They, they, they inflict a lot of physical pain on each other. So it's, it's a sport of a lot of mutual respect because you're, you're inflicting a lot of physical pain on your opponent you can seriously injure your opponent. So these guys have a lot of respect for each other. That's number 1, but also number 2, these guys aren't filthy rich. You know, especially when the sport started out, you know, they were probably making at best maybe 100 grand for a fight or 50 grand for a fight or you know, at the very best maybe 150 grand or 200 grand for a fight. These guys weren't making millions of dollars whereas if you look at boxers, I mean there's there's boxers that get paid 35 million dollars for a fight that nobody wants to watch. I mean there, there's high level boxers that get paid a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, for you know, for a fight where they don't even really have to put in you know uh, maximum effort, and, and the fans aren't even really interested in the fight. So, like I said, because this is a growing sport, uh, you know they're not getting paid you know a ridiculous amount of money or anything like that. You no, know, Randy talks about how he has remained friends with Chuck and Tim Sylvia, even though they had brutal fights against each other in the cage. Randy says he respects and has a has a decent friendship with most of the people he has a fight he had a fight with. Uh, Randy. Randy now gets into personal disputes with the UFC, uh, so that, that was a big part of Randy Couture's career as well. He had a lot of disputes with the UFC. He had a lot of fights with the UFC. A lot of lawsuits. He's getting into the more darker aspect of the sport now, where the reason why he left the UFC in the first place. The reason why this documentary is not even on the UFC channel, it's on it's on the PFL league, even though his entire fight career was in the UFC. So now, now you're getting to the nitty gritty. You're seeing why he had real problems with the UFC. Randy says he respects him. Okay, let me see. Randy now gets into personal disputes with the UFC. The UFC stripped him of the title in 1998 and told the press he quit. But he had some type of contract dispute, and that was not the case, according to Randy. Tim Sylvia says that Randy did not take any shit from the UFC Unlike a lot of other fighters who were more yes-men and did what they were told. Uh, Randy says after his contract dispute in 1998, he took one more shot at the Olympic wrestling, but came up short again, and they immediately gave him another shot at the title. Randy explains that within his six-month period, Dana White and the Fertitta brothers bought the UFC company and kept Randy as the new champion. Randy explains he didn't think that they thought he was very marketable because he was a 39-year-old man. Randy also talks about how the UFC took out his rights and ownership to certain publications like video games and things like that. They're called uh, ancillary rights. I apologize. I know I'm I'm butchering that name, but it's called ancillary rights or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Randy said the UFC was angry with him and took him out of the video games and different media coverage, and the UFC was confident that Randy's next opponent would beat him, but Randy won. Randy won and kept his ancillary rights. I think that's how you say ancillary rights. He kept his ancillary rights. One of the few athletes uh, successful enough to do that at this time. So Randy was a fighter. You know, he wasn't just fighting and, and saying yes to the to the, to the the managers and the coaches and the, the president of the USC. He wasn't just saying yes. He was saying, look, I need my ancillary rights. You guys aren't going to play with my money. I'm here to stay. You know, he, he was a fighter that fought back. He wasn't just, you know, doing whatever the boss told him to do. You know, he really fought for his rights, and I can respect that. Randy fought and kept his ancillary rights, one of the few athletes successful enough to do that at the time. Uh, Randy explains he felt the UFC kept counting him out because of his age. Uh, the show shows a clip of Dana White on the podium of a fight conference admitting right in front of Couture that he thought uh, Randy Couture was going to lose. Um, and he says the day he bought the company, he thought Randy Couture was going to lose. And I mean, He says it's right in front of Randy, which is pretty, pretty wild. Uh, however, Randy continued to dominate, winning a third title fight against uh, Vitor Belfort again. The fifth title of Couture's career would be his last at the last at the light heavyweight division. So his, his fifth title fight was his last fight at the light heavyweight division. Uh, Randy's second loss to Liddell would set him up for a major comeback. So that, that's, that's a reoccurring theme of this whole podcast. Every setback in your life is for a major comeback. The main theme of this documentary is setbacks set you up for a major comeback. This is a very important thing to know in life. A famous actor talks about how he gets starstruck uh, training with Randy at Jay's gym, uh, Unbreakable. Randy is now acting in movies in Hollywood. So now they're getting into, you know, Randy Couture's, you know, current life. They talked about his disputes with the UFC. They showed the highlight of his his most famous fights in the UFC. You know, his fight against Tito Ortiz, his trilogy fights against uh, Chuck Liddell, which is what really made him famous. They talk about how, you know, his, his early childhood, his rise to fame as a wrestler. Uh, his struggle of not making it into the Olympics. And, and now they're getting into his current life, you know, like where he's living on this ranch, what he's doing now. Now he's, he's the actor in Hollywood. Randy is now acting in movies in Hollywood. The actor talks about how he met Randy when he was wrestling at Oregon State at a wrestling camp. The actor's name is Chris Pratt, by the way. Chris talks about how he met Randy at the camp. Uh, Randy was one of the coaches, and his eye, and he had his eyes on Chris. He says Randy let him demonstrate the moves, um, he learned in the wrestling camp in front of the rest of the camp. And Randy was a good sport, letting the young adolescent Chris take him down. Randy announces his retirement in 2006 and began his broadcasting career. But one year later, he returned to the Octagon to fight the giant six-foot-eight Tim Sylvia for the heavyweight title. So basically what happened here was this, um, he met this famous actor, Chris Pratt, uh, at this gym. And, um, you know, he's just basically talking about how, how starstruck he was when he saw Randy Couture. And he said that you know when he was early when he was young as a child he actually had Randy Couture as his wrestling coach at a wrestling camp, so that's really cool too. You know what I mean? He he got to meet Randy Couture when he was a kid, and that, here he is as an adult, and he's still training with Randy Couture while Randy Couture is in his you know his late forties or fifties. So it, it just shows what type of an athlete Randy Couture really is. You know what I mean? Like he he's able to able to compete and wrestle and, and still be active with people that are in, in their twenties and thirties while he's fifty years old. So, Randy Couture announces his fight retirement in 2006, and then uh, he comes back to fight uh, Tim Sylvia. And, and this happens sometimes. Like, uh, George St. Pierre, he was retired for like a good three or four years. And then he comes back to fight uh, Michael Bisping, because he realized he could beat Michael Bisping. A lot of times, like a wrestler, they'll, they'll see a fighter and they'll say, you know what, I can beat this guy. I know that I'm better than him. And, and they'll come out of retirement just to fight a champion who they feel like they can defeat. And, and that happens sometimes, you know what I mean? And um Usually they make the right decision, especially with wrestlers, because if a wrestler is confident that they can take you down, they can beat you. You know what I mean? So you know, wrestling is really the dominant style of fighting in the UFC. If you have a wrestling background, your chances of being a successful fighter just increase by like a hundred percent. And a lot of people question Randy Couture's sanity for coming back, you know, to fight a gigantic man like Tim Sylvia. Uh, John McCarthy chimes into this and, and didn't understand this either. He said, why come back so late in the game at 43 years old? What do you have to prove? Uh, he also questioned why Couture would want to fight a six-foot-eight giant man who weighs around 285 pounds before cutting weight. The answer to me personally, like I said, this is obvious. Uh, Couture is a wrestler, and somebody that big can be taken down very easily by a high-level wrestler if they're not coordinated enough, especially because someone that tells... Uh, Someone that tall uh, makes their their legs really long. It makes them an easy target. So when you're really tall like that, when you're six foot eight, if you're facing a high level wrestler like Randy Couture, your chances of being taken down are, are very are very high because you have these long skinny legs, and you know you have a, a very muscular wrestler like Randy Couture who's who specializes in, in you know wrapping his arms around people's legs and, and tackling them to the ground with a takedown. He, he looks at this as an opportunity. Oh, I can take this guy down and I can beat him. Jay Glazer, however, contests the opposite of what I said. He says Randy was looking for somebody who had a huge advantage over him, which I, I honestly, I, I don't believe. Like, I, I respect Randy Couture for coming back to fight Tim Sylvia, but I, I don't think uh, Tim Sylvia had any advantage over Randy Couture whatsoever. Like the, the way he looked, he was very tall. He was very lanky. Uh, he did not look very coordinated on his feet. I mean, this looks like an easy victory for Randy Couture in my eyes, but I, I understand why a lot of people would disagree because you know, Tim Sylvia is just such a giant man. To clarify my statement as well, this, uh, Tim Sylvia was an excellent striker, but looks tall, lanky, slow, and uncoordinated on his feet. So from my perspective, I would think Randy could easily take him down and outwork his cardio as well. At the time, Tim Sylvia was a great heavyweight and seemed unstoppable to most of the fans. On the contrary to what I said, a man Tim Sylvia's size can also stop a takedown with tremendous force if they learn how to sprawl and grapple properly. But Tim was more of a striker and did not look like a well-coordinated grappler So yeah, so yeah, th- this, this can be a problem too you, you can be, um, If you're that big and you're that strong If you can learn how to sprawl, you can be very dangerous Because you can put all your body weight on your opponent And, and really you know, force him to the ground But like I said, I don't think Tim Sylvia looked very coordinated He looked very tall and lanky And he just does not look like a high-level wrestler to me at all He has some powerful strikes because of his size But he just does, does not look like a very coordinated man to me Ironically, Couture drops Sylvia with an overhand right in 20 seconds into the first round. Now, that is something that I did not see coming. I, I would see Randy Couture, um, you know, taking him down or something like that. But I, I wouldn't see him just landing, you know, a knockout punch on a, on a guy who's a striker. That, that was kind of ironic to me. Uh, Randy completely dominated Sylvia the whole fight, grounding and pounding him and out wrestling him. Being a wrestler gives you extreme confidence. George St. Pierre also did the same thing coming out of retirement to face Michael Bisping, knowing he could out-wrestle him for the title. When a wrestler knows he can out-wrestle you, he knows he can beat you. Like that's what I was saying earlier. Um, To be fair to Randy Couture, I don't know if that was his game plan to out-wrestle Tim Sylvia, but I guarantee that's what it was. You know, McCarthy explains this was Couture's motivation that everybody kept doubting him to win fights and this motivated him. So Randy Couture has always been the underdog in his life. You know, people always underestimated him. They felt like he couldn't be successful. And, uh, you know, he just motivated to do better. And uh, that was kind of like his whole story of his life. You know, when he first started wrestling in high school, he didn't really win any of his matches. Then he goes on to become a high school state champion wrestler. Um, you know, when he was 25 years old, you know, re-enrolling in college, you know, they didn't think he was going to be a good wrestler. And then he ended up, you know, becoming All-American you know, wrestling champion. Um, you know, he, he tried out for the Olympics. He didn't make it. So he's always been the underdog. He's always been underestimated in his UFC career. You know, Dana White openly just said, you know, I, I didn't think he was going to win. I think I thought he was going to lose. So he's, he's always the underdog in this situation. And that's that's kind of what drives Randy Couture is that people don't believe in him. Randy leaves the UFC after they failed to set up a fight for him with Fedor Emilienko, one of the best fighters in the world in another fighting organization called Pride randy talks about how he really wanted this fight and was disappointed he couldn't get it Fedor was ranked number one in the world and randy was ranked number two so of course he wanted to prove he was number one randy tried very hard to make this fight happen spending a lot of money trying to organize the fight with other leagues but but it did not happen ultimately couture came back to the ufc at 45 years old to fight brock lesnar who he lost to um couture doesn't get into detail but he clearly hints there is some major bad blood with him in the ufc because he is banned from the ufc he can't even attend fights. Couture hasn't even attended a fight for over nine years at a UFC event in person. So I think the UFC got kind of tired of Randy Couture because, first of all, they, 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 never had any, they never had any faith in this man. They thought that he wasn't going to be able to achieve anything. And here, Randy Couture comes out, and he's just dominating everybody. He's beating everybody. And then on top of that, you know, they, they try to take his ancillary rights. They, tr- they tried to really cut him out of a paycheck, essentially. You know, they, they, they told him that they, they told the press that he quit. You know, he didn't want to be an MMA fighter. They stripped him of his title. That probably wasn't true at all. Randy Couture probably just put up a fight and said, look, I need my ancillary rights. I need a new opponent. He's, he's, he's really combating a lot with the UFC. So it gets to the point where they literally banned him from the UFC. I, I think they also didn't like the fact that he was, you know, trying to work with other organizations to get this fight done with an Emiliador, Emiliador excuse me, I don't know how to say his name, Emiliador, I apologize if I mispronounced his name, but he worked with these other organizations to try to, you know, try to get the fight settled. And I'm sure that really pissed off the UFC. You know, these guys have a lot of money, and they have a lot of lawyers, and they have a lot of rules and regulations, and they really try to take advantage of these fighters a lot. So you can tell there's some bad blood with with Randy Couture here in the UFC. Uh, Couture continues to fight for fighters' rights. Randy took a year to transition out of MMA for good. And now has his own gym and has an acting career as well uh chris pratt talks about how they like having randy as an actor because there's an authenticity to him and he can act out of his own stunts and fight scenes and make the the movies more realistic because he's a former uh, ufc champion fighter randy says he likes acting because it allows him to release his emotions instead of bottling them up like most athletes do chris pratt says uh, him and randy being wrestlers helps their work ethic and being actors and helps them be the best they can be randy talks about his progression as an actor and how he started off with small roles as a thug and tough guy because of his fighting background but progressed into bigger better roles as he worked harder and got into got an acting coach a huge step for randy couture in his acting career is when he landed a role in the in the movie scorpion king he got to play the role as the lead bad guy His mother talks about what it was like to see her son in a movie on a movie screen. She says it was a shocking experience and she says his success in acting did not change him. He still remains very humble. Years later, Randy gets a call from Sylvester Stallone about acting in a movie called The Expendables. Randy has a lead role in the movie, The Expendables, and acted in all three of The Expendable movies. Randy says acting is much like his fight career. His ultimate goal is to not win belts. There have been... There have been movies he acted in that he lost in. His ultimate goal is to be the best version of himself. Randy also says that it is why he went on to Dancing with the Stars to step out of his comfort zone and give people a different outlook on himself other than just being a fighter. In this final episode of the documentary, Randy signs over his son to being co-owner of the gym. Randy's goal was to be a much better father and much, uh, much more involved in his son's life than his own father ever was. You know Randy needed a real gym manager and somebody who he could trust, so he hired his son. Randy explains he's getting older now and needs someone to take care of his brand to the next level. Uh, he talks about how he is a strong he has a strong relationship with his son. The last few minutes of the documentary they just recap Randy's accomplishments and show him being uh, still active as a commentator for the PFL Fight League. Uh, Chris Pratt recaps that Randy is the oldest heavyweight champion in the history of the sport. He's a six-time UFC champion and a Hall of Fame UFC fighter. <sighs> All right, so the next segment of the podcast, I'm just going to do a recap of you know, my final thoughts on Randy Couture as a person.